Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Habakkuk chapter 3 is a strange prophecy, to say the least. Until you understand the context of the entirety of Habakkuk's writings. You see, unlike most biblical prophets... This short three-chapter book is not God's words to the nation, to the sinful, or to the church. They are God's words to Habakkuk personally in response to his prayers concerning the nation, the sinful, and the church. The book begins with Habakkuk's cries in prayer against the hypocrisy, sin, and corruption amongst God's own people, for it was causing so much damage to God's name, causing confusion, hurting the innocent, and sending people to hell in abundance. This prayer was surely needed. Something had to be done. God had to intervene and stop this. To which God responds, by saying that he will allow the nation's enemies to overtake them. Now, this was not the deliverance that Habakkuk expected, so that then his prayer shifts to praying against this enemy that will overtake them, who he sees as worse than them. How does this fix their situation? It seems worse than the first. Then... God gives him a vision and tells him to write it down. Because that though it may seem to tarry, might even seem like it's not going to happen, but it surely will happen in God's perfect timing. Not a moment too soon or a moment too late. So write the vision down and make it plain. And in it, God promises to bring these enemies down as well. In fact... He will draw them out by allowing them to think that they can win against him and his children for a moment. The people will be humbled, repent, and seek him again. And the enemy will be defeated. A perfect victory is coming once this work is completed. But it will take endurance, faith, and patience in the moment to make it to the good end that he is promising. So trust in his faithfulness. You see, just because God uses these enemies as his rod of correction does not mean that he endorses them, nor is he for them. Yet God will use his enemies' pride and arrogance against them as an instrument to humble his rebellious children an object lesson, to show them what the sin that they have been harboring, excusing, envying, and even endorsing really looks like when left unchecked. What cruelties and wickedness they inflict to allow them to see that God's righteous judgments are good and are for the good of everyone and always was. That his words and restraints 
or to prevent such terrible things from taking place as what happens when men trust in the leading of their own vain imaginations. War and destruction, oppression and cruelty, death and debauchery are always the results when men stray away from the goodness of God, his words, his wisdom, his precepts, his presence, and his instructions. When you start to think that you don't need him, you will see what happens in his absence. Pride always comes before a fall. Yet is God still so merciful, ever watchful, a very present help in times of trouble, always listening for the cry of the humble. Because when the repented and humble heart cries out, having realized that they do need their God and King, he is so willing to rush back in and save them. He did this for Israel time and time again. Without God, we can do or have no good thing. We will fall to the snares of the enemy who is cruel and deceiving every time. Yet when we cry, God hears. The prayers of the repentant enter into his ears and his eyes are ever on the righteous. Those who know him personally will be strong and do great exploits, even in the midst of these tribulous times. Though the sea may roar and be tossed, though war may threaten the coast, though glittering spear and flaming projectiles may be launched, still will the righteous have faith in his faithfulness, trusting in his wisdom and purposes, hoping in his promises and having joy in trial and tribulation, rejoicing when things start shaking because it means that their redemption draweth near. The Lord has heard their cry. He is moving and doing a work in the earth. Oh, endure, but for a season, there is a reason to bring you to the better end that he has promised. Destiny is coming. You just have to go through the wilderness. Dawn is breaking. Just make it through the darkest hour, praising. He will equip his remnant. You will not be forsaken. Chapter 3 of the book of Habakkuk reads as this. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shiganoff. O Lord, I have heard thy speech, and I was afraid. See, he knew what was coming, and it made him fearful for a moment. In wrath, remember mercy. Oh, he knew that there were mighty judgments coming, and he began to plead for God to relent. His glory covered the heaven, and the earth was full of his praises. Oh, my friend, when the Lord steps in, everything changes. Habakkuk says, before him went the pestilence and the burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered. 
the perpetual hills bowed down. Oh, all of these things that you think in your imagining that can't be altered or changed or moved when he steps in. Everything that you thought you knew is at the mercy of the king. It can all be changed. And suddenly, his ways, it says, are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. Kushan is a place of blackness. And the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Midian means strife. Those who were causing this darkness upon the land and this strife, oh, they trembled when the power of the Lord God Almighty himself began to step in. Thy bow was made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word, Selah. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. The overflowing of the waters passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. I believe this imagery is a reference to the greatest wrath that the earth had ever experienced up until this time. The wrath that was poured out on the land because of the wickedness that had overtaken it in the time of Noah and his flood when the mountains trembled and the rivers overflowed and the seas roared. It says the sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. These references were put into place as a description of the wrath of God against wicked nations. The prophecy being spoken here was specifically against Babylon. But Babylon was a type and a shadow because it's the same spirits behind them that have influenced men to come into allegiance with these ungodly entities throughout history. So rather he's talking about the time of the flood of Noah or the time of the destruction of Egypt or the time of the Babylonian invasion that was coming or the time of the destruction of mystery Babylon in the book of Revelations. It does not matter. It's all the same. God is the only one who is worthy of praise and fear and adoration. He's the only one that can cause the sun and the moon to stand still in their habitation. Oh, how prideful it would be of any tribe, tongue, or nation to think that they can have the victory against our great and mighty king. Remembering who he is helped Habakkuk to lose his fear of the situation. How can God be overtaken? He cannot. If he's allowing this, it's for a purpose. It's to draw out that old serpent and those who are in allegiance with it. It says the sun and the moon stood still in its habitation at the light of thine arrows as they went out and of the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Thou went forth for the salvation of thy people even for salvation with thine anointed. There was a reason that God was allowing these things to happen. Oh, there was going to be a mighty victory on the other side of this shaking. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundations even unto the next, Selah. 
they came out as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. But thou did walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heaps of great waters. Here in this moment, he draws imagery from the children of Israel's exodus from Egypt. Oh, there's a reason that this is happening. This is part of your deliverance. So start rejoicing. When I heard these things, he said, my belly trembled and my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled within myself. Yes, there will be difficult times approaching. He says, yet, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be found on the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall. In other words, though there may be drought and war and pestilence and famine, though there might not be any fruits on the trees or crops in the field or flocks in the barns, nevertheless will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. For the Lord God himself is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singers on my stringed instruments. In other words, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. He's going to equip me to thrive in the midst of it. He's going to pour out a greater outpouring of anointing and grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. He is going to equip his remnant to do great exploits in the midst of the trials that are coming. Yes, there will be a shaking. Yes, the path will be rocky and difficult, but he will give you the right feet hind feet this was the mountain deer that could jump and dance upon these impossible places no the path was not going to be made easy but instead he was going to equip you to dance with ease in these difficulties oh lord we thank you that you have a plan that you have not forsaken your children oh we will not be shaken because we know that we have not been forsaken we know that our God has a plan at hand and we will put our hope in him. Our trust is in the Lord. His joy is our strength. His promises are secure. Therefore will we rest under his wing. Remember that when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, before their great time of shaking, before the nation would fall, not too many years hence, under the Roman occupation, he wept over them and he said, you missed your time of visitation. I would have gathered you under my wing like a hen does to her chicks and I would have protected you and covered you if you would have just trusted in my promises. But because they took matters into their own hands and they tried to fight in the flesh, they missed him. They missed their chance. So let us not be guilty of this. Lord, we come to you today in all faith and decree and declare that we know what you are doing is so much bigger than defending a physical kingdom. The Israelites of that day, they thought that the Messiah was coming to preserve their physical kingdom. 
to defeat their enemies and set them up to be national rulers over the world. That's not the purpose. He wanted to save the lost and prepare them for the spiritual kingdom that was coming, the one not made by the hands of man. Oh, stop fighting to try to save the Babylonian system. It's going to fall in a mighty shaking. But in the shaking, Jesus himself instructs his followers to be praising and rejoicing because it means that their redemption from it draws near. But in order to do that, you've got to have more faith than fear. So again, today, my Lord, we proclaim, just as Habakkuk did that day in his final prayer, when he said that when he first heard the things that were in store, he was afraid, but as he began to meditate on the Lord, And remember his greatness and how he had brought down all of these evil empires that had ruled the world before. He remembered that God was preparing them for something more. And it put a joy in his heart, a rejoicing and anticipation that no matter what it looked like around him, he would be able to continue dancing and singing and praising, knowing that God would equip him. There would be a greater outpouring in the midst of this. So no, we will not be shaken because we are not forsaken. There is a perfect plan at hand. So let us put our hope in him. Our trust is in the Lord and not in man. His joy is our strength. Remembering that we are the hope and the joy that was set before him, he gave all to redeem, to deliver, and to save me. He will not forsake or fail his holy remnant. His promises are secure to them. Therefore, do they rest in confidence under the wing of their almighty, powerful warrior, redeemer, God, and King. Oh, we will not miss the time of our visitation. We will not be found alone or hopeless or faithless. We will be found rejoicing, preaching, prophesying, proclaiming, and praising as we walk out into our purposes and march forward unto the day the Lord's returning. No, we will not be shaken. We are not forsaken. We will be equipped. We will be strong. We will do great exploits in the name of the Lord because we were born for such a time as this. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.